Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 271st ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today? Thank you, Cameron. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, doing great, by the way. Thanks for asking. Mm, yeah, no problem. Uh, how are you? Great. Also. It's been a good week. Yeah. Uh, you almost done with school. I'm almost done with school. Yeah. Um, we got basketball and football at the same time. It's crossover season. We've got Thanksgiving coming up. We got Christmas after that. Next thing you know, it's going to be bowl season. Absolutely. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, except I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to wish it away, man. No. Like this time is like precious yeah. gold, a commodity. Yeah. yeah, that is. You wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't. No. And I was just. I mean, I was walking outside earlier, so like perfect weather. Mm-hmm. Just the leaves on the ground. Just man. Perfect time of year. Yeah. I would agree. And uh, bowl season this year is going to be a little bit more exciting for Mizzou fans, though. Yeah, I think so. We'll get so into that. Looking that way. Uh, we have some basketball games to cover. We've got a big win over Tennessee and sort of take a look at the rest of the season. And we have to talk about the college football playoff rankings. That's a good thing to need to talk about. Before we get into all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us. Of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. And we will kick things off with basketball, as we do during crossover season. And we'll get the bad news out of the way first. Um, Jaden Quaintance. Seemed like Mizzou was in the lead for the longest time, all the way up until, like, through us recording last week, basically, everything was seeming pretty good, but Kentucky was always kind of there in the background. And then in the last week, it was just like rumor after rumor after rumor, nothing really concrete, but just all the vibes yeah. just shifted to Kentucky. Yeah, you could tell that Kentucky knew they had him um, maybe like four or five days ago because yeah. everything just changed Yeah, online for sure. And it does uh, really suck that he's going to be in the SEC, and we're going to see plenty of him for two seasons at least. But in my mind, and probably you agree with me, we're on to Aaron Rowe. That's that's where I've got my sights set. We're on to 2025 recruiting class. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good to me. When it comes to basketball recruiting... We got our guys. Yeah. We're fine. Time to move on. We're going to have a top 10 class when it's all said and done. Yeah. That would... Quaintance would have been a really nice cherry on top. Would have been a cherry. But that's okay. We still got the whole Sunday. Kentucky just has the cherry. That's true. Um, basketball, though, now after three games is two and one. Uh, we talked about the win over Arkansas Pine Bluff, but then they lost uh, lost a big one to Memphis, seventy to fifty five. That was a weird one. Yeah, rebounded a bit to beat SIU Edwardsville, sixty eight to fifty. In the Memphis game, Missouri had a halftime lead, 33-26 to 26 at halftime. Started fast, as you pointed out on Twitter. <laughs> Kyle yeah. said, uh, this offense is incredible. This team... I got to be careful on Twitter sometimes, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I said something like... Which, I, I said it with a smile on oh, Twitter, yeah. but, you know, you can't see me yeah. when I'm tweeting. So, you know, people take things a little bit literally whenever they're just <laughs> reading it on a website. So, 
Yeah, I think I said something like, this team's going to score 100 every game, laughing emoji. Yeah. Which implies kind of a joke. Yeah. But they were looking really good uh, when I tweeted that. And then they scored like five points in the whole game after I said that. Yeah. And everyone was letting me know that it was a cold take. <laughs> <laughs> and I already knew. <laughs> but thanks, uh, for, thanks, everybody, for letting me know. Yeah, I mean, I I support them letting you know, if I'm going to be honest. You just, you know, let me have it. (laughs) I can't just be tweeting stuff, you know. You got to keep me accountable. Yeah. Uh, Memphis went on a 17-2 run in the second half. And, yeah, Missouri couldn't do anything on offense. Uh, The entire second half, Memphis won 44-22. Yeah, it was really, it was like almost shocking how much of a difference it was in the second half. Um, Memphis has some really, really good veteran guards who mm-hmm. just showed up in the second half. I really think Memphis is a team that could win 25 or more games this season. Like, I mean, there's not very many teams on their schedule that I think are going to have a chance at beating them to, you know, I don't know that Missouri is going to be, uh, as good as they were last year, but to come in to Missouri's arena and, and beat them like they did that, I mean, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, Memphis is going to be a team to watch because they have a couple more tests in non-conference play. Uh, they play Michigan and Clemson and Virginia. But then, yeah, their conference schedule, it's like they're going to be favored uh, against almost everybody. Yeah. They mm-hmm. are up to 26th in Kempom. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, they could definitely, if they run the table and they're maybe not even run the table, but get close to running the table in conference season, I mean, they could be looking at a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But how did Quinterly end up there? Like that's so a really random. good question. Yeah, I guess he had I, it I have made to imagine at Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I have to imagine they just kind of uh, figured out, hey, we need to kind of move on to some of these up and coming guys we have coming in. He was carrying them. Yeah, well, I mean, I could see Alabama being like deciding that they need a little bit higher ceiling guys. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Talking about Memphis, though, he was like carrying Memphis yeah, yeah. in that game. Yeah. Um, like I said, Mizzou bounces back, uh, beats SIU Edwardsville. Um, Mizzou had the run in the second half in that game, 16 to three to start the second half. Nick honor did get hurt in that game. Yeah. Have we heard anything on that? I have not. He was in a lot of pain. Yeah. That did I not look good. did some Googling around yesterday and there hasn't been any reports or anything that I found. Um, and we got our first extended look at John Tanjay in that game. He played 18 minutes. Um, one thing, I can, we can just kind of lump these two games together, but Missouri, after the first game against Pine Bluff, I was thinking like how athletic they look and everything, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, uh, against a little bit better competition, that athleticism gap just completely shrunk. Yeah. And it kind of made me feel like, that's what we were leaning on in game one. Right. Kind of became more obvious. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I think we know, like, Noah Carter's limitations, especially on defense. And, you know, Sean East is going to have his moments and Caleb Grill is going to have his moments. But I think um, whenever, like, an elite guard rolled in and Quinterly, I think they really kind of folded a little bit. And I think they're going to see a lot of good guards in conference season. So I don't know, man. They're gonna have to figure out how to guard a little bit better. And yeah, I mean, we—I think we just definitely seen how streaky this team could be potentially. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like so. 
after three games, Sean East and Noah Carter have scored double digits in all three games. And Sean East is averaging like 18 points per game, I think. If he is going to be your leading scorer this season, I think we just need to see him consistently attacking. And he's shown it like in spurts, but I mean, he's shooting like 60% from three. So like keep shooting threes until that percentage comes down a little bit. Right. And he's shown he can get to the basket and he's got to be taking more of those opportunities from Nick Honor, I feel like, because we're already seeing Nick Honor try to do more of that and it's just not happening because of his size. Yeah, and I definitely don't know that it's really sustainable with Sean East either, uh, at least scoring-wise. He's looked good so far. I think he looks like a better player than he was last season. Yeah. But I still think we're going to want to see more from Tamar Bates, more from Tanjay, more from uh, Caleb Grill. I think those guys are going to have to score more consistently because I just I don't think Sean East is going to be the leading scorer on this team for the whole season. Um, talking about Caleb Grill, he uh, finally put together a decent game. Um, he was ice cold to start the season. Um, yeah, he was a combined two for 14 going into the most recent game and then was two for two from three uh, against SIUE. So a little bit of a bounce back there. His rebounding has been stellar. And that does seem like one thing this team's going to do better yeah. than last year is rebound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe a little bit less like high risk, high reward type defense. Yeah, it might just be like a little bit boring and bad, yeah. but maybe not quite as bad. Yeah, that's to be determined, but still some question marks about the defense. Um, I was looking at Noah Carter and he had a nice little run in the most recent game. Uh, he was four of nine from three and I think all four of those were like in a row. Yeah. Uh, so he looked good there. He had his rhythm going, uh, and looking at the rotations and stuff, obviously East Carter and honor are the only players so far that have played 70 plus percent of minutes. Now, we'll have to see what's going on with Honor after he left a uh, game with an injury. And then Grill and Bates and Shaw and Robinson, the yeah, freshman. saw a lot of Robinson yeah. against SIUE. Uh, they've kind of been the next little grouping there as far as minutes. And yeah. then Tanjay and Butler kind of behind them. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Robinson so far? Two thoughts. One, he's got a little ways to go, but he looks pretty good for a freshman, I mm-hmm. think. Looks okay. He looks a little bit bigger than I was imagining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely like his athleticism. He blocked two three, mm-hmm. three-point attempts yeah. uh, against SIU. And, but uh, the second thing I was thinking is I like that he's getting playing time. Yeah. I mean, I like that the coaching staff feels good about putting him out there. And... That's got to be coming from what they're seeing defensively. So I hope he can uh, turn into more of a lockdown perimeter defender. Mm -hmm. So I know we're only three games into the season, so I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but do you think there's any chance that the coaching staff knows this year could be a little bit of of a bridge year and want to get some younger guys, just a bunch of experience early on? 
Yeah, I could see that. Um, I could see that even if they think they have something um, that could come together, you know, I think later in the season. I think it's way too early to say this team can't make the NCAA tournament and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But I think that there could definitely be an element of uh, let's just see what we have. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to be surrounded by a lot of talent in the next few years. So let's start kind of integrating them in. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. Um, the weirdest thing so far for me is um, Trent Pierce, 14 total minutes yeah. across three ga- three games. Yeah, he uh, he was hoisting up some threes when he was in there, though. I don't think he made anything. No, uh, he still just like looks good yeah. out on the court. He does. But uh, has not done anything, but he's, hasn't I mean, he's, had the minutes. He's exactly what we thought he would be. He's a 6'10 guy who plays like a guard. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's the kind of player you you really want to get some experience, uh, more, maybe more so than anyone. But when you have Noah Carter and Tanjay and, I mean, yeah, the front court players with Aiden Shaw, I think we're going to, we talked about it during the preseason, like how much we're going to need Jordan Butler. I think I'm kind of ready for him to see more minutes and like kind of just be yeah. a player at the five. He's looked, he's, he's shot a couple threes too. Yeah, and like one. Looks pretty good yeah. shooting the ball. Um, yeah, he's he's pretty much exactly what we thought he would be too. Like he's been kind of a force down low, like altering shots and stuff like that. Yeah, getting rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have now Connor Vanover returning. We're unleashing Vanover. Yeah, he's done with his suspension. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how they incorporate him and what his role will be. Missouri has dropped to 62 on Ken Palm, which is like... That is danger zone for like a power five team. You you got to be around like 40, 50 at worst to be looking at like an at-large bid. And just obviously they don't correlate perfectly, but we're going to have to get some wins to correct that uh, if we're going to be looking at like a 500, 500 record or better on the season. Kim Pom is a <clears throat> incredible resource uh, and it's a wonderful website, uh, but man... And I, I, we just don't seem to do well in those rankings. Yeah. Like year after year, even last year, um, top 25 team in like AP poll. Right. And I feel like we were still in like the 40s or 50s some at times. On yeah, that, uh, that defensive rating system didn't know what to do with the like high risk, high reward. Right. Because rebound, like defensive rebounds were a defensive stat and we were horrible at rebounding. Yeah. But we were like top five in steals and yeah. like opportunities created through like defensive aggression basically mm-hmm. so it was just super Jekyll and Hyde and I think yeah it was just confused but yeah it's uh I have a feeling Missouri's gonna hang out in that 50 or 60 range for a lot of the season um now they do have a couple opportunities or one opportunity coming up uh let's see that is tomorrow a road game against Minnesota Thursday night uh so Minnesota are uh 100 in Kimpom so this is like a. This has got to be a. Per, I'm guessing a perfect like coin flip game on Kim Palm because it's at Minnesota. Yep, and uh, probably looking at like a quad two situation uh, if you're thinking about that already. Um, I thought it was interesting. Minnesota. I was just looking at their team a little bit. Their head coach Ben Johnson is from Minnesota. Won two state titles in high school, Minnesota state titles. Played for Minnesota and now is back as their head coach. 
Uh, he's, well, you know that's risky, Cam. Right. This is that's a, risky business. It's a little bit of a make or break year for him because he's had two bad seasons, but now he's like, you know, they're flirting with the top 100 team. So it's time for America in general to learn you just never hire like former legends at your at your school because it just doesn't go but it just doesn't go well ever this is a little bit off topic but uh make sure you, i'm gonna send that to uh, boise state and tell them to stay away from kirby Moore. <laughs> it's not gonna work for you don't even think about it um minnesota is shooting 41 percent from three as a team on this early season they are a little bit turnover prone uh they've got a big man named dawson garcia who i think will be a problem for missouri Gets to the free throw line a ton, uh, which we have no problem sending guys to the free throw line. He can make threes. Um, yeah, he's just kind of a perfect college like stretch forward who just does a little bit of everything. So watch out for him. I still think Missouri can get this done on the road. Um, if this is was I, you know, I had this as like a coin flip with Memphis. The Memphis game didn't go well, so. Hopefully we can recover for this one. It's going to be interesting to see how they guard Garcia. You know, I think um, you might see more Butler in this mm. game. Might see Vanover a try. I don't yeah, know. I think we're going to see Noah Carter try, and it. I potentially see that not going the greatest. Yeah, because he'll Missouri, get out on the perimeter, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Missouri, you know, they're all about helping, switching, doubling in the, the right opportunity. And one thing we saw from Memphis, a huge adjustment they made in the second half was Missouri, you know, they're leaving the weak side three-point shooter alone. And Memphis was like, okay, we can skip the ball over to him for a wide open three. They did that several times in the second half, whereas like, you know, Missouri's just relying on whoever has the ball, not finding that guy all the way across the floor. I had totally forgotten that uh, Penny Hardaway had the three-game suspension. Oh, yeah. And whenever I saw Rick Stansberry, who I thought was still the head coach at Western Kentucky on the sideline, oh, yeah, I was yeah. like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, is Penny Hardaway not the coach at Memphis yeah. anymore? And we somehow didn't know. Uh, but then I remembered his suspension. Yeah. He must have played in that same tournament as Vanover. <laughs> the Portsmouth <laughs> Invitational. The Portsmouth Invitational got Penny, too. Um. Yeah, so let's see here. Then after the Minnesota game, Missouri plays Jackson State on Sunday. Um, Jackson State 280 on Kim Palm. Interesting to note, Jackson State head coach, former NBA player and NBA champion, Mo Williams. Uh, they have got two good players, basically. Ken, uh, forward Ken Evans and guard Chase Adams. Interesting thing about Chase Adams, he's listed at Five eight one forty four. Not a big guy. That is incredible. Yeah, one forty four. That's what they. That's what it says. It's oh small. my gosh. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Hopefully, we get a shot of like him near Vanover <laughs> at some point. That's almost hard to believe. That's gonna be the highlight of the game. That when was, he's just like standing close to another player. That was like me in eighth grade. Yeah, I mean, we might have to double check those numbers, <laughs> but that's what I read somewhere. <laughs> okay. How are you feeling? We're going to beat Minnesota? You predicted this as a loss preseason. Did I? Yeah. But you had us beating Memphis. Okay, well, then I guess we're going to have to win, aren't we? And this is the last time I will hold you to any preseason predictions, starting now. 
I want to talk about my football preseason predictions. They're pretty oh, good. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. This really is just like a coin flip. Uh, would love to see Missouri bounce back uh, against a Power Five opponent on the road, especially. They're going to be um, playing in these kind of coin flip games a lot this yeah. season, like a ton of them. Yeah, so. and uh, you know Minnesota right now, you know they'd be like bottom four Kempom rating in the SEC. Yeah, so. We're going to be traveling to road opponents, uh, you know, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. South Carolina, Georgia. Like, we got to be able to win a couple of those road games. Yeah, I would say if if this is a loss and maybe even, you know, a 5 to 10 point loss or something, like, I don't know if I'm hitting the panic button, but I definitely am uh, maybe getting a little bit nervous about yep. what the season's going to look like. Because, you know, I, I feel like you can't. You don't want to be too results oriented after one game that didn't go super well, one half that didn't go super well. Yeah, and Man. so <laughs> for that to just be one half, it was such a bad half. Yeah, we were winning at yeah. halftime, it, yeah. and it felt like, yeah, it felt awful watching that game. That was really rough. And there is some uh, whatever early season struggles we might see. It's going to be very easy for me, at least, to chalk it up to personnel, you know, fluctuations, just not having everybody available to start. And figuring out these rotations is going to take a while. Yeah, it's almost like having so many available players that can make an impact is almost a curse in these first, um, you know, few weeks of non-conference play because you're just trying to figure out who's going to do what. What I want to see against Minnesota is if Sean East is going to be the guy, let's see it. If it's going to be somebody else, I. If it's going to be Bates, like it kind of looked like he was ready to do it after the first game, it's been a bit quiet. And for whatever reason, he's not getting the minutes, at, you know, that Caleb Grill is getting and some of these other guys. So it will be interesting, but I'm predicting two wins. Let's get to four and one. And then there's a couple more cupcakes before we play Pittsburgh on the road. Let's see what we can do there. Uh, I think we're ready to move on to football. Football, football was pretty fun this Football's week. Football's going well. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know where to start with this. Missouri beat Tennessee 36-7. to Destroyed them. Exercised some demons, I would say, from the past two seasons. Stood on some business. Absolutely. Uh, Cody Schrader, just an incredible, incredible human. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, 300 total yards. First time in SEC history. First player in SEC history. To have 200 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards in the same game. He was 20 yards away from the Mizzou single game all-purpose yards record and said, told coach, I don't want to go back in the game. That's not what we're about. We're not about personal records. We're about winning the game. I've done what I need to do. Incredible. It's a gift from God. Who is this guy? Who is he? Yeah. Just walking the streets. True son. True son. The struggles that Missouri had last year, like those close game losses, and then, I don't know. It just like, this is just such an incredible season to be witnessing after what last year, coin flip games, just losing games the most bizarre way possible, but being like, man, we're right there for eight wins. We're right there if things go really well for 10 wins. And then Chris Abram-Drain comes back. True son. Ennis Rakestraw comes back. True son. Darius Robbins comes back. True son. Just 
a team full of Mizzou legends, basically, is what is the, what this is turning into. Yeah, at this point, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's looking like a bunch of Mizzou legends that we're going to remember for forever mm-hmm. that all decided to come back and do it one more time. And this, I mean, this team is what happens when everybody's rowing the boat the same way. Mm-hmm. And clearly, there's a lot of buy-in in the locker room. Uh, guys are playing for each other. And that kind of game is what you get when everybody is ready to bounce back from a loss against Georgia. Everybody's ready to um, you know, play together and, and still make something special out of a season that has been incredible so far. I think it was, I can't remember if it was after the Kentucky game or the South Carolina game where Drinkwitz said it, uh, Robinson said it, Schrader said it. They were asked, um, have we, how close are we to seeing have we seen this team at their best yet? And everybody was saying not even close. And I remember we talked about that on the show and this game against Tennessee has to be what they had in mind when they were saying we haven't put it all together yet. And obviously they would have liked to put it all together against Georgia and almost did. But and it would have been so easy for a team to you know, lose the Super Bowl basically against Georgia and then be like, whatever, we're bowl eligible. We can't win the East. We're not going to the playoff. We got, now we got to play another top 15 team. Right. I think that's what one thing coach has, Coach Drinkwitz has done so well is these teams that he's been coaching say what you want about them, but they have not given up. They have not gone away. He is an elite motivator. Like seeing some of the videos of him in the locker room and stuff. Like, yeah. I'm. I don't bring much to the team, but <laughs> I'm ready to sign up. Like, yeah. give me a role, I'll do it. Yeah, whatever way I benefit this team, I'll do it. And you know, he's an incredible motivator. He obviously there was some some reasons for Missouri to be motivated about this game against Tennessee. And whatever he said to them, it worked because they looked like they were playing for their lives out there. And man, it was incredible to see. And I mean, Tennessee just the, the opposite. Yeah. They looked completely uninterested. Mm-hmm. And honestly, they played f- they played fine that f- the first quarter or maybe even the first half. But it just felt like Missouri wanted it so much more. And over the course of four quarters, four quarters of hell. Oh yeah, you could say they brought it. They brought it, and they just kind of broke their will <laughs> over yeah. the course of the second half, especially. And uh, Cody Schrader obviously had a lot to do with that. Uh. A team stat here for you. Rushing yards. Mizzou, 51 rushes for 255 yards. Tennessee, 23 rushing attempts for 83 yards. I thought those running backs were supposed to be elite. I'll be honest. I was a little bit scared of them. Yeah. I'm almost embarrassed to think about how we talked about Tennessee on the show last week. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it is. I was thinking about that during the game and like the. It did feel like a test that I just wasn't sure what would happen. You know, it was, everything was coming together to be like, okay, well, you just lost, you just lost your shot at playing in the SEC championship game. How do you respond? Yeah. And I just, this is the first time that in a long time that we've seen a Missouri football team basically respond like this i mean we've seen Drinkwitz coach teams respond exactly how we would want them to after losses but the losses pile up you know a little bit the coin flip games don't go your way 
And yeah, the response here was just incredible. Well, and just the way Tennessee has destroyed us the last few years and knowing just, I don't know, knowing the history of this rivalry a little bit, if you want to call it a rivalry, it might be now. Um, Except that we don't play them next year. year. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. We probably won't play them as much anymore, but Mm -hmm. uh, just knowing how things have gone in this series in the last few years, it was like, almost felt like, is this something we can do? Can we actually beat Tennessee? Right. Um, you know, we know the kind of recruiting that they do. They're a very talented team. Uh, Joe Milton has really flashed at times this year. They have, tr- usually those running backs are very, very good. Yeah. Um, but man, Missouri, uh, they said we're up for the challenge. Um, I think it was last week after the Georgia game, there was like some SEC power ranking type stuff going around that always uh, goes around on social media. And I remember... Well, it was SEC Mike, if you're familiar with him on Twitter. He posts the power rankings, but he includes Texas and Oklahoma, just for comparison, since they'll be in the conference next year. And it was like the top five were Georgia, not in this order. I don't remember the order exactly, but it was like Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss, Mizzou, Texas was in there. And yeah, it was like that top five of that grouping seems like they're a tier above everybody else but tennessee was right there and it was like well you know missouri and tennessee schedule wise what they've done so far they're kind of in the same spot and that makes sense you see number 13 versus number 14 yeah and well i mean you think about tennessee's point of view coming into this game um you know we spent a little bit of time listening to some tennessee podcasts uh after the fact and you know they were kind of sharing their perspective coming into the game that i guess i didn't really think about was they still had an opportunity to go to the SEC championship. Like, they still had everything in front of them. Yeah. And, you know, they still have to play Georgia. Mm -hmm. If they beat Georgia, assuming if if they beat Missouri and then they beat Georgia, um, they're going to the SEC championship game, most likely. They needed, they still would have needed somebody else to beat Georgia, though. Maybe so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But there there were scenarios that made sense for them that, like, if, you know, they have a good run out here. Having Georgia still ahead on their schedule was huge. Yes. And so it seemed like from Tennessee's perspective, this is a massive game that we must win. And they came out and looked really flat, obviously. Yeah. And uh, And we've been there before. Like, I feel like I almost sympathized with the things they were saying because it's like, how can you come out flat in this moment? Yeah. How can you not get up for this for this game? Yeah. And it's like, I feel like I've been there before. And man i'm happy to not be there right now yeah we haven't really been there all we haven't been there all season i mean that's what a special season is i guess they're just getting up for the big games uh tennessee would have needed georgia to lose to ole miss last week okay as well okay um that was not a competitive game that i thought could be yeah absolutely yeah well yeah tennessee fans after that it's like well that was never gonna happen but yeah going into the mizzou game they still had a shot you wouldn't have known it though um, just to reiterate, Cody Schrader, 40 touches total, 35 carries in five receptions, 321 yards. Unbelievable. He couldn't be stopped. And how he has gotten better over the course of like a game multiple times. Yeah. I've he's actu- been doing that actually all season. Yeah. I, I think that I've noticed that within games too. Yeah. He gets better as games go on. And he is like the Energizer Bunny man. Like you just can't slow him down. He looks like he could play a whole other game after he finishes the the normal game. Like he he just like somehow runs harder as the game goes on. 
And that's when you see him break off those really clutch runs whenever we need him to to do something. But uh, he definitely just he didn't wait in this game. <laughs> he was just good the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. From the very beginning. Yeah. And then closed out the game. Um, that's got to be one of the most impressive like individual performances of any Mizzou football player I think I've seen in a long time. Yeah, truly. Um, yeah. Tyler Beatty had some running back games where he was doing everything and those were very impressive. And obviously it kind of harkened back to, uh, Tyler Beatty watching that game. Uh, but Brady cook himself, like didn't have to do a whole lot with Schrader doing that, but, uh, 18 of 24 passing 275 yards, 11 and a half yards per attempt, which I've been kind of tracking that as like, if we're around 10, that's a success uh, in Missouri's losses. Brady is often dipping down to like seven yards per attempt. Um, one touchdown came late to Luther Burden. It's good to see uh, against an SEC opponent, Luther is still able to just take a pass loose. to the house where it looks like surely somebody will push him out at like the five. Mm-hmm. No, he just scores. Uh, Cook's interception, while it looked at first look, looked just terrible. Every successive uh, replay showed it wasn't as bad. Still was weird that seemed like Luther kind of gave up on that route, but it was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Yep. So there was a lot going on there that I can't really blame Cook for that one too much. But that was a early scare that was like, oh, we're doing this again? Yeah, because, I mean, it just feels like, um, you know, looking back, we, we had no problem dispatching Tennessee as the game went on, but... After that moment, I remember thinking like, man, we really are struggling in the red zone. And I think Mm -hmm. that is maybe one of the key places that we could have improved in this season is just being a little bit more efficient touchdown-wise. I think we actually are very efficient scoring-wise in the red zone, but if that's counting field goals. But we just got to get in the end zone more. Well, and there was a stretch later in the game. Again, it was didn't didn't really matter in the long run of this game, but... Uh, in the red zone, and they they call two Brady Cook design runs, one on like third and seven, I think, and there's just nothing there. And it definitely felt like uh, we're fine with three points here. Yeah, absolutely. It does, I, feel, it does feel like they sometimes get conservative on third down yeah. in the red zone because they're just happy to take the three. And it's almost like, well, he could break it. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. We'll just see what happens here. Yeah, if it, to nitpick a little bit, that's the kind of thing that's like, well, those kind of opportunities are the difference in the Georgia game or the exactly. LSU game. Yep, they had opportunities to score in the red zone, and they and they didn't against Georgia. Uh, yeah, they kicked a field goal there, which was fine. Um, uh, Tyron Hopper went down at some point. There was a stretch in this game where it's like every play somebody was getting hurt, like in Tennessee the first half. included. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was impressed with uh, the backup linebackers. I mean, uh, Newsom played well. Got a shout out from Drinkwitz after the game, and Chuck Hicks made the big play of jumping on the fumble. Yeah, um, yeah. Chuck Hicks has been a very pleasant surprise. Yeah. Uh, transferred from Wyoming two, like, I guess, two seasons ago. He got injured and didn't didn't play last year. But um, I mean, being honest, he's not really a guy I ever thought would would contribute a whole lot. Um, but he's had to step up with Chad Bailey being hurt, and he's played really, really well. Yeah, linebacker was a spot, you know, before the season where we were like, uh, we're thin. Chad Bailey and Tyron Hopper are 
some of the best in the conference, but behind them, ugh. Yeah, I mean, it was basically like our worst fear. It was like Hopper and Bailey have to have to stay healthy all season long yeah. because there's just not much behind them. And then Bailey has basically not played the whole season, and he is out for the rest of the season. I think right. we forgot to say that last week. Yeah. So he is he's done. His career at Missouri might be done. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly what his eligibility looks like after this season, but uh, Chuck Hicks has played admirably in um, – stepping up yeah and uh that play in particular is like just feels like the classic like when you're in the game as a backup or you know you didn't really necessarily expect to be in this position to just secure that ball and not try to do anything too crazy with it super clean recovery just i don't know that's like exactly what you want from a guy who like has an opportunity and he just capitalizes on it you know nothing crazy yeah and you mentioned newson i mean we heard a lot of good things about him in like fall camp and stuff haven't seen a whole lot of him, but he, uh, he stepped up really well when Hopper went out and made a really clutch tackle on Milton in mm-hmm. the open space. I mean, I don't envy anybody that has to try to tackle Joe Milton in open space. I mean, the dude's like 6'3", 230. He can, he's really fast. That was a really impressive play by Newsom to bring him down by himself. The only Tennessee points was just like a crazy athleticism play where uh it was chris abrams drain on the coverage who actually was like guarded his guy well but watching the play happen is like the ball's just just keeps going yeah it's like everybody but the wide receiver thought like okay this ball's gonna land at some point and he just kept running as hard as he could and came up with an incredible catch yeah i'm still not even 100 percent sold he actually caught it but like oh in, in real time it was like there's no way he caught yeah. that and then on the replays, it's like, okay, yeah, uh, he might have actually Looked caught that. Good. Yeah, uh, pretty amazing. I, I just kept expecting it was going to be like just like an easy swat away for Chris Abrams' drain, but that ball just he yeah threw Milton, it a mile. Like he's got the he's got the moon ball down. There's no doubt about that. Um, he was throwing those like rockets though. He's yeah, like hundred mile per hour slants. <laughs> I don't know if he was getting some frustration out at the end, but like I he, mean, I've watched Joe Mil- Joe Milton play many times this season like he is not he was not doing that in other games i watched him play in i think you might be right you might have just been like frustration just throw it as hard as i can (laughs) yeah he was zooming that ball around um yeah there came a point in the second half where tennessee had to kind of abandon the run a little bit which at that time i was like is that even a good thing missouri's been shutting them down so well um uh, one other person I wanted to shout out was Brett Norfleet, and he's been getting some love on social media and in some of the TV shows and stuff, but uh, there's one play in particular that people have been uh, highlighting where he is, I think, in motion and then has a beautiful like kick-out block for Schrader on one of his touchdown runs. And I was watching the highlights again and just focusing on him, and he was doing some impressive stuff blocking. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, uh brett norfleet uh has the reputation of a receiving tight end mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of the way the game is right now is a lot of people you know and nfl teams are doing that too where they have a receiving tight end and they have a blocking tight end and i think a lot of us have thought of norfleet as you know he's gonna maybe be slow to see the field because he's a liability and blocking and stuff like that but i don't know if you can say that anymore yeah. he's he's really he's a very very well-rounded player especially for a true freshman what he's been doing is really incredible i think i definitely underestimated him i did not foresee him being able to take on such a big role yeah this quickly he's going to be a very very good player uh and then of course um 
we're kind of all over the place on this game, but the the end of the game with the field goal attempt and icing the kicker and all of that. If you haven't watched the what is this week ten, week eleven mini movie, whatever the most recent one, week eleven I think mini movie, they're just knocking it out of the park with that production. They and just one up themselves every week. Yeah. And they really tell a story in this one. They flash you back to uh, last year with Heupel scoring the touchdown to kind of put it on them. And then uh, this year, the tables are turned. Yeah, I mean, you could not have... Um, What's week that 10. Cameron, <laughs> producer Cameron week 10. I thought you were telling us to stop. No, sorry. Uh, it, it is week, week 10. Week 10. 10. Ah. Uh, what was I saying? You were saying... Oh, uh yeah, I mean, it, you, you could not have designed a more poetic ending to this game. Um, you know, I think most of us probably understand the story at this point, but Tennessee running up the score last year called a timeout to right. be able to score another time uh, to score another touchdown last year. They were running up the score. So funny to hear the announcers last year being like disappointed in them. Yeah, basically, the, the announcers were. It was like the announcers could see the future. Yeah. They were like. Yeah, you're gonna have to play Missouri every year. Like, I'm not sure you want to, you know, do this. This is pretty. This is just not good sportsmanship. I feel like I remember blood. the narrative at the time being like, well, because Tennessee was ranked fifth, and it was like, well, we need, you know, they got to score a bunch of points to look good for the selection committee and stuff. I remember that being the talk at the time. Yeah, I guess that's maybe a useful argument potentially if you're Tennessee, but mm-hmm. it really was just pretty in bad taste. And uh, you can see Coach Drinkwitz on the sideline last year. He did not look happy. Yeah. It was kind of a drive-by handshake. Yeah. And they remembered, man. <laughs> they remembered that. But they set Tennessee set themselves up by going for the field goal. They did. Okay, well, that, exactly. That yeah. was like, it was almost Thank like you. somebody was writing a script yeah. for this game because... I, I imagine the person that's like in charge of the, like the head person of the mini movies was probably like, oh my gosh, thank, P- thank you. Thank you. Just put this I was thinking lap. thank you just <laughs> as a fan of what was happening. Yeah, so... Tennessee lines up a field goal with 40 seconds left, and Coach Drinkwitz calls a timeout to ice the kicker, and he misses the kick. Just beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah. It's hilarious. And the the, the mini-movie showed uh, that whole exchange, and then Drinkwitz has this little grin on his face. Like, he kind of snapped out of it real quick, but right after the field goal m- misses, he he was uh, had yeah. a funny little look on his face yeah. where he was enjoying it. And then he goes and lets uh, Coach Heupel know Standing on business, Josh. Love that. <laughs> Man, have you heard of that phrase before? Like, is that a thing? Like, yeah. I don't think I'd ever heard that phrase before this well, week. Well, you know, we're a bit older now. And is, we're, that must be a thing the kids are not saying. Not quite as hip to the lingo, but... It's uh, a TikTok thing. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if I haven't heard of it, that's just, just... I can just assume that's one of those TikTok things. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, you know, standing on your business. Hey, I'm all just, about it now. I'm, I've heard of it. I'm with it. Yeah. I'm all, I'm all about standing on business. Oh, yeah uh yeah the the just seeing the behind the scenes stuff of everybody celebrating i uh, can't get enough of that yeah uh i i've seen that clip posted a few times now of, of drink telling josh we stand on business and mm-hmm. uh of course you know if you are a missouri fan you think it's the greatest thing you've ever seen if you root for anybody else it's the corniest thing you've ever seen uh so there's been some great people been saying that really Oh, yeah. Oh, I've only been seeing the Mizzou side of it. Oh, well, you got to click on, I think the SEC Network Twitter account posted it. That's Uh, when you see the haters. All the replies are are the haters, for sure. There's like a couple of uh, Tennessee fans that are like, "Eh, you kicked our butt. Yeah. And then there's a couple of Arkansas fans where their season is off the rails so far that they're just enjoying. Yeah. Just something. The chaos. Yes, the chaos. 
Yeah, I'd like to. I saw some people speculating, and I'd love it, and it's going to be part of my headcanon, is that uh, maybe Josh Heupel last year said something like, hey, it's just business or like nothing personal. You know, that would make sense. And that kind of goes with the narrative of like, hey, we're just trying to get into the playoff, you know. But uh, yeah, it's business. It's business. Yeah, whatever. Business booming. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, I got some education on the Burlsworth Trophy. <laughs> As opposed to the Bullsworth Trophy. Whatever I was saying last week. <laughs> I was not taking it seriously. But uh, I stand by what I said. There's no way this goes to anybody but Crody Schrader. (laughs) There was no way anybody else could win it before last week. True. And now, yeah, it's a shoe win. Yeah, and uh, it is going to be interesting how Schrader is kind of like talked about in the end of season stuff, like all SEC teams, all American teams and stuff, because like to lead the SEC in rushing on like a team that might be in the top 10 of the final polls yeah i mean he currently leads the sec in rushing by like 200 yards yeah like 200 more than second place spoiler alert for our florida preview i feel pretty good about missouri's offense going into this florida matchup yeah um so it feels very strange like cody schrader i guarantee you was on zero people's radar going into this season as like an awards finalist for anything maybe more than the Burlesworth Trophy. But I think his name is seriously in consideration for just about anything at this point. Yeah, it's interesting, um, you know, how Coach Drinkwitz has called plays over the years, and we've talked about it a little bit in, in the past, but he, I feel like he just rides one guy. He needs to find his guy. Uh, he had Darrington Evans at Appalachian State. He had Tyler Beatty a couple of seasons ago, and Cody Schrader has become his guy, mm-hmm. that he is going to ride him into the ground um, until the season is over, and then he gets to relax. But, yeah. uh, I mean, re- I've said things like, I don't think this is sustainable. I want to see I want to see another running back out there just to give him some fresh air. Yeah. But at this point, yeah. there's not really much I can say to argue against what's happening. No. Like he, He's proven that he can handle the workload. Yeah, and... I mean, Nate Pete has had some good games and he's looked good and he has, you know, some explosiveness and he's an SEC caliber running back, but he's not bringing what Cody Schrader is bringing right now. Right. And during the broadcast, uh, they did a good job of pointing out one play in particular that showed Schrader, who is not like his measurables as far as like, you know, if he's going to go to the NFL combine, like he's can probably put up some numbers on like the bench press and the squats, but some of those agility drills, I'm, I'm just telling you, he's not going to test well, or but, maybe the 40 speed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. If he was a little faster, he would have probably broken even more long touchdowns. Yeah. If he was a little bit faster, he's, uh, not going to Truman state to start with. That's probably true. Uh, so, but there was one play in particular where they illustrated how he sets up his blocks and sets up the linebackers to get sucked into one side and then he has this cutback lane right yeah he, he perfectly understands like where those blocks are going to be and when to take it yes and man that outside run play that they that they've been running it's just like untouchable yeah. it's like a five six yards automatically yeah. every time even against georgia yeah which makes me wish that they probably would have just kept running with Raider a little bit more why didn't they give the, the like five thousand touch game against Georgia. 
Yeah, there's one spot in particular where I can think I really wish they would have run the ball. Mm. In the fourth we quarter, where Schrader's is We don't have to do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, he has the vision yeah. of an elite running back, and yeah. I think he has the power of an elite running back where he, when he's hitting the hole, when he's hitting that first defender, um, he's got everything he needs there. It's just that that next gear of breakaway speed that's keeping him from not from putting up numbers right. but from you know being a, a early nfl draft pick basically um yeah he's incredible the offensive line going from you know and they, they had a pretty clean game uh, penalty wise missouri as a whole did mm-hmm. uh but the offensive line is impressed and to see that aspect of the offense just kind of hitting its stride this late in the season. Mm. Chef's kiss. What is it about uh, a interception or pick six? I mean, is that like one of the most exciting plays in sports? I For me, it is. I don't know what it is just about like a clean interception. Yeah. Especially like Carnell's pick six where mm. it's just he catches the Textbook. ball in stride. You knew exactly where the ball was going to be. He timed it perfectly. I mean, there's just... There's there was n- no doubt that it was a touchdown. There's not very many things in sports that are just more beautiful than a perfectly timed interception. And I feel like a official spokesperson for Mizzou Media, but the mini movie has a, just an incredible shot of that whole uh, play yeah. and the celebration and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, we were talking about this before we started recording, actually. like, How many videographers do they have on the sidelines? Because that was so... I mean, maybe they just got lucky. I don't yeah. know with where they were standing, but... They could not have picked a better spot for where they were before yeah. that interception had. Just perfect view of it. And Coach Baker goes past the camera and then yes. they stay with him. It's just, yeah. Perfection. A cinema. Cinema. That's yeah. what it is. It's art. Yes, exactly. Uh, what else? Uh, Tyron Hopper is going to be okay. Uh, x-ray negative. Ankle sprain. Questionable for the Florida game. Think probably we're ready to move on to the Florida game. If you think of something else about the Tennessee game, feel free to th- jump in. Just an all-around dominant performance. You love to see it. Um. So it is Senior Night. Uh, that means it feels like it was never going to happen. But Harrison Mevis playing his last home game as a Missouri Tiger. Darius Robinson, last home game. Cody Schrader, Chris Abrams-Drain, Ennis Rakestraw. It's hard to figure out who all won't come back. Yeah, but... uh, Harrison Mevis, all-time leading scorer? Correct. Yeah. His name will live on forever. Yeah, I didn't even mention him earlier. We're talking about a team full of Mizzou legends. He's arguably the most legendary of all of them. Maybe. Uh, So it's going to be an emotional game, I would say. Uh... Back home against Florida, second season for head coach Billy Napier. They are five and five, three and four in SEC play. Uh, they lost early to Utah. They lost to Kentucky, Georgia, Arkansas, and LSU in conference play. One of those, not like the other. Uh, they beat Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina. Yeah, Florida is maybe had one of the stranger seasons in the SEC of. Like yeah, they can they can come out and beat you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they can they can beat some good teams. They've lost to some not so good teams. Um, they're pretty much like the polar opposite of what they were last year. Uh, with obviously Anthony Richardson last year being a 
top five pick in the NFL draft. One man show, basically. One man show, uh, like very, very mobile quarterback who was uh, all over the place. And then now they have Graham Mertz, who is very much not a mobile quarterback, yep. kind of a statue quarterback, who mm-hmm. but has been very efficient. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's um, they've, they're very balanced yes. at, as for like passing and rushing. Yeah. I just don't really know what you're going to get from them. Yeah, Mertz, uh, 2,700 yards, 73% uh, completion percentage. Which eight, is third in the country. Yeah, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah. So he's not losing the game for them. Yeah, and I, I against uh, South Carolina, he won them the game. Yeah, uh, I saw the 18 touchdown to two interception ratio when I was previewing Florida a little bit, and it was, I almost like didn't believe <laughs> yeah. what I was looking at because that is... It's really pretty elite. And then, yeah, yeah, like you said, 70, 73% of his passes he's completing. So um, he's certainly a capable player. And I'm sure a lot of you guys know Graham Mertz from back to high school. He um, was a four-star recruit in the Kansas City area, went to Wisconsin. And so far, his season at Florida is far superior to anything he did at Wisconsin in three seasons there. He's kind of doing like the reverse Devin Leary, you know, <laughs> know. who like – had an incredible season at uh, NC State, but just kind of like not doing anything yeah. at Kentucky. Everything looked like he was, like he was going to be good at Kentucky. Yeah, and, and then Mertz is like the opposite. He was just so-so at Wisconsin, like there's really going to do anything, and he's uh, playing really well. Yeah, but when you look at those those numbers, everything we just talked about with Mertz, it feels like Florida should be better than they are. Yeah, and like you mentioned their balance, their rushing game, Trevor Etienne and Montrell Johnson um, combined 228 carries for 1,250 yards and 11 touchdowns. Not missing anything there. Um, Ricky Pearsall, 62 catches, 876 yards, and four touchdowns. He's pretty electric with the ball. Yeah. He's a uh, like spectacular catch wide receiver. He's made yeah. some insane catches. Fun but, to watch. Yeah. I mean, for, for reference, Luther Burden only has six more receptions and about 100 more yards than Pearsall does. So yeah. he's a very capable wide receiver. Right. He should be being talked about as like a top tier in the SEC. Um, yeah, so I feel like offensively, Missouri and Florida are fairly evenly matched. I think where Missouri makes the difference in this game is with their defense being uh, a step or two better than Florida's, especially at home. I'm feeling pretty good about this game. Um, Florida's defense, like if we're trying to compare like uh, mutual opponents, like Jaden Daniels had a really good game against Missouri and... It was kind of an early statement game for him. Like almost like average performance for him though. Yeah. Now at this point in the season, yeah, yeah, it's like, that's just what he does against Florida. He had 606 total yards and five total touchdowns. Yeah. Ray Davis, Kentucky running back ran for 280 yards against Kentucky. Oof. Yeah, so, so they're susceptible in the yeah, running game. It, it it might be Schrader going off again, but if it's not, I think it's going to be Brady Cook, you know, spreading the ball around and receivers breaking plays. And I think what it really will be is a nice mix of both. I yeah. think we're going to see a nice balanced attack from Missouri's offense. And um, outside of turnovers, I don't think Florida can do a lot to slow down Missouri's offense, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's obviously a huge area that Missouri has improved on offense this year is just that they don't have to just ride one person. Exactly. Um, they did against Tennessee, but they don't have to do that. Exactly. And I definitely think they could have beat Tennessee um, in other ways. But When you hold um, them to seven points, you could 
Yeah. That's, you could beat them a lot of different that's ways. That's probably true. Cam. We could have <laughs> beat them with field goals. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say. Actually. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. Uh, be, they don't have to rely on one guy. Yeah. And so even if Florida was trying to, like, shut down Crody, Cro- <laughs> you just keep going back to Crody. If they're trying to shut down Schrader, uh, go for it. Just try. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, you probably won't be able to. Second of all, Brady Cook will throw for 300 yards. I would like to see uh, a nice statistical performance from Luther Burden. Feels like he's he's wanting to show that he's you know right there at the top of the conference. Hasn't been able to bust out lately. Yeah. Um, so I saw the I, maybe it was the SEC Network. Somebody put out the the rushing leaders, and like I mentioned earlier, Cody Schrader was like. 200 yards ahead of second place who was ray davis Mm -hmm. and so i saw some funny stuff from florida fans who were like uh who just obviously saw ray Ray davis run for 280 yards against him they're like we got to (laughs) play the number one guy now (laughs) like it was pretty funny where they're probably terrified of playing cody schrader and they probably should be um i guess the question is how many points is missouri going to score against him let me see uh missouri favored by 11 and a half right now getting some respect yeah that seems yeah like the first time they've got respect from vegas yeah um cameron did you know that florida is one of the worst teams in the country in third down conversion rate on offense on offense oh i did not know that they're only converting on third down 35 percent of the time well, that sounds good. That had been an area of concern for Missouri's defense, but they honestly did an incredible job of that against Tennessee. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah Mizzou's, Mizzou's completing at 44%, mm-hmm. which is like 25th. Not terrible. Not terrible. Um, Yeah, I feel like Florida definitely, I mean, if we're being completely honest, Missouri could not play well and lose this game. I don't, I think that maybe happens... 20% of the time. Does yeah. that seem yeah, unreasonable? That seems reasonable. Uh so the other 80% of the time Missouri's winning this thing and in this one give me Missouri 30 8 to 24. That means they cover. Yeah, that's that seems pretty seems pretty reasonable. Maybe, um, maybe slightly too high of scoring for me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I'm with you there. I'll say 37-30, Mizzou. I just think, man, I don't know. It just feels like Mertz is going to keep this thing close. Um, yep. It feels like he just wants to be conservative, though. Yeah, he, he just uh, he's looking for that blow up game. He played well against South Carolina. Um, it feels like if he's forced to have to step up and just be aggressive, he can he can probably do it. Yeah. So we yeah. might see that in this game where you know Missouri's moving the ball, have no problem with that, uh, and Mertz just feels like, well, we got to just be aggressive, yeah. and I don't care about my touchdown to interception ratio. Yeah. We just got to put some points on the board. So we we could definitely see some fireworks. I might disagree only in that I think if it gets to that point, I like missouri's secondary to get the job done like way more than you know south carolina yeah or even tennessee for sure yep i agree either way we like missouri to win this game and missouri's sitting at eight and two 
just not a, not something you see every day. It's been a while. We'd like for that to be a more regular occurrence. Yeah. I uh, w- let's see. What do we predict them in preseason? I said nine and three. Yeah. That felt adventurous. Mm-hmm. And now it's looking like they could actually be better than that. Yeah. Like they should be, yeah. or else we'll be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also feel like I remember predicting Tennessee will not be ranked in the top 25 when mm. the season's over. That's looking like that could happen. That could happen. If they we'll get, have to revisit some of those. They get beat by, yeah, yeah. They get beat by Georgia. They're already what? Yeah. They're rattled. Yeah. They're in a tailspin, you could say. Uh, Missouri, though, I mean, there's not. it's not that often we get to talk about Missouri in the uh, college football playoff scenario. So Missouri is ninth in the college football playoff rankings, jumped one loss Louisville, jumped two loss Oregon State. Uh, didn't really understand why Missouri was behind Oregon State to begin with. Uh, Penn State lost. They got their second loss. Missouri jumped them. So, yeah, Missouri, your top two-loss team in the standings or in the rankings and ahead of one loss Louisville. Um, it, I was looking at, like, what would it take to, you know, sneak in the back door of a four-team playoff? It's just incredibly unlikely. It would need to be like Missouri would have had to beat LSU. Is I don't know. They can't do that. Like <laughs> if they had beat LSU, only lost to Georgia. Georgia goes undefeated. We don't make the SEC championship game, but we're sitting there at eleven and one after the regular season. You know, I feel like that would have been the one of those kind of like controversial situations where it's like. Mizzou's 11 and 1, but they're not even in their own conference championship. Exactly. What do you do with them? Oh, uh, yeah. And I just feel like, I mean, Missouri doesn't. We sh- they don't get that kind we of. We definitely end up at fifth, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If that's Alabama, you're in. If that's LSU, you're in. Probably not Missouri. What are you trying to say? Oh, I'm just saying, well, you know, maybe 10 years from now, Missouri gets that bump. That's like, you know it's what? It's going to take that long. Huh? No. <laughs> I mean,. Yeah. Ninth place, though, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's really exciting, and I think they have... A, they're not going to make the top four, but if they finish the season out with two wins, I mean, they could easily jump up to the, you know, 6-7 spot, and we're looking at a New York Six Bowl for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could have a really exciting finish to the season. What are you liking right now? What are you liking for a bowl game if you got to pick? I've seen... Cotton Bowl versus Texas. I've seen Peach Bowl versus Penn State. I don't know. You could maybe see a... I, I am not the best on like what conference goes with what bowl and everything. I don't but really know that stuff off like the top of my head either. Maybe a Fiesta Bowl against Louisville. I would feel like of the three opponents you just listed, Louisville is probably the least exciting. Mm. Uh, I mean, a game against Texas... We've played Texas. It's a little samey. You're playing little, another old Big 12 team. Yeah, but be, maybe We've a little never revenge. done it on these stakes. That's yeah. true. This is like both teams are playing for... for yeah, I feel like with bowl games, it's just kind of like whoever wants it more. Yeah. But with a Newark Six Bowl, I feel like both teams probably really want it. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a fun matchup against Texas. And I feel like there was one other team that we had kind of been linked to, but... Man, Iowa would be a really strange game. Yeah, that would. Um, yeah, basically, I don't want to play anybody that's not currently in the top 10. That's like, I've got my sights set on. I want to play one of these other top 10 teams in a bowl game. And who would those teams be? You know, like a Louisville, like a Texas, 
maybe the loser of Oregon, Washington. Yeah. Oh, giving it to Washington mm. would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Penn just, State's 12th, I think, so they're right there. It's just insane to think that we are talking about playing teams in a bowl game that are currently shooting for the 14 playoff. We are we're right yeah. there. Um, yeah, the obviously got to take care of business, and but I'm gonna use this time to talk about bowl games because we, you know, we're talking about the big ones. Let me just tell you what would need to happen if you really want to get crazy with it. Georgia wins out, destroys Alabama in the SEC championship game. Okay. Seems likely. Alabama could lose at Auburn, maybe. That would help out, too. Not completely necessary. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, one of those guys are in. The other one, maybe they could lose twice, but I don't see Missouri jumping a one-loss Ohio State or Michigan. Florida State, I would love to be rooting for Florida, to beat Florida State. I probably will be anyway. Yeah, to have some kind of ramifications for Missouri. Um, Washington and Oregon, I feel like you want Washington to probably maybe like get upset by or at Oregon State this weekend, but then beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship or something. But then Oregon State might jump us in the rankings. True, Oregon State's right behind, but they have to play Washington and Oregon still. Murder's row. Texas... Go ahead and lose at Iowa State this weekend, please. Okay. We jumped Texas right rooting, there. I'll be rooting for that regardless. So, I don't know. I mean, one, two, That's not that three, crazy. four, five teams that are ahead of Missouri right now play road games this weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're rooting for chaos with those teams from yeah. like four through eight, and we want the teams at the top to just continue being at the top specifically georgia and either ohio state or michigan but other than that we need like multiple episodes just crazy chaos both weeks we need iowa to win the big 10 championship could happen <laughs> oh man like, they'll, they'll win seven to three yeah but they'll, they could win yeah i mean if michigan's not allowed to cheat then anybody has a chance against them <laughs> um okay that was your college football playoff minute and uh now we will move on to SEC Pick'em Plus Nebraska, which, congratulations. Spoiler alert, Kyle. Incredible. Thanks. <laughs> All righty. Last week, Cam had five points. The guest pickers had six. I had seven, and Kyle had eight. It's not that much better than you guys. No, it's, it's not. It's a lot really. better than me, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. maybe that. So season totals, Cam is at 59, the guest pickers are at 64, I am at 64, and Kyle is at 66. Running can't, away with can't it. Can't lose now. Sheesh. Yeah, that's how you should be thinking. Our guest picker this week is Tyler. Hey, welcome in. Thanks for picking. I got to make a move here. I need two perfect weeks. All right, good luck. Plus the bonus bowl points. Yeah, at some point we need to like establish like actual rules. <laughs> Whatever gets me back it. in the competition. <laughs> All right, our first game this week is Kentucky at South Carolina. Kentucky is a one and a half point favorite. This is like the this is the closest game of the whole week. Yeah, right I here. gotta go South Carolina. Yeah, give me South Carolina. Are you kidding me, guys? They're not gonna win. Sorry. Okay, I'll go Kentucky. Yeah. You, right. you convinced me. All right. I'll and just concede a free point to you. <laughs> 
I don't know. Tyler takes Kentucky. Tennessee. Okay. Kentucky's uh, spiraling. Yeah. All right. Uh, Florida International at Arkansas. Sounds like an airport. <laughs> Arkansas is a 29 and a half point favorite. That should not be allowed up to like a certain point in the season. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I've kind of, I've been a absolute flip flopper on this issue just this season where like when Missouri was struggling early, I was like, why are we doing this? Why can't we do like Alabama and schedule, you know, Charleston Southern in December? Charleston Southern. It's Charleston Southern. You're just football. really trying to, you're really scarred by that basketball loss, aren't you? You know, Northwest South Dakota. We played them early. Imagine, like, speaking a little sweet nothing into our ear after that uh, Middle Tennessee State game. Mm-hmm. That like Missouri at once at some point in this season is gonna be ranked ninth in the college football playoff. I wouldn't have known what to think. I would have said I don't think that's true. Uh, anyway, in at that way. time I was like. Let's start scheduling like this. I don't like the slow ramp up. You want to need Florida International Airport? I want to play the airport late, and I want to play somebody really good early. Let's just figure out where we are and give us a break later. And now I am completely flipped back around. It's ridiculous that anybody's allowed to schedule these games this late in the season. Missouri's doing it right. They've been doing it right all along. What's the game again? So you pick... <laughs> Whoever's playing into that. Florida International at Arkansas. Arkansas is a 29 and a half yeah, point I Arkansas. I guess I'll take Arkansas. That's the last time I'll ever pick Arkansas. Yeah. All right. Tyler takes Arkansas. Next up is number two, Georgia. At number 13, Tennessee. Georgia is a 10 and a half point favorite. That's uh, it's on the road. 10 and a half? Yeah. It's Give me Georgia. Georgia. Too high? What do you think about that number? That's It's going to be way less close. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Georgia. Yeah, give me Georgia. All right, Georgia all around. Next up. I guess they just... Louisiana Monroe at number nine Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a 37 and a half point favorite. I'll probably How take Ole Miss it? on that one. <laughs> How did that end up in Pickham? I don't know. I it's apologize. a legitimate game. Yeah. I guess. I, uh, Respect your opponent. I guess. There's I, a line. so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Ole Miss bounces back this week. We'll see. <laughs> Next up, Southern Mississippi at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a 14-point favorite. They fired their coach? They did. The guy that I, well, last week we said we'd never heard of. Zach Arnett, I think is his name. Related um, to Ben Arnett? Probably not. Um, Will Arnett, though, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, I Are they all related? No, I don't <laughs> think so. I think that you know he kind of took over after Mike Leach, mm-hmm. and but this was his first season, so I feel like there was maybe like a little bit of just transition us to something else. Yeah, it, it did kind of feel a little bit interim-y. Uh, but they weren't very good. So, he's gone. Earlier this season, Southern Miss lost to South Alabama 55-3. to mm. South Alabama beat Oklahoma, beat Oklahoma State. State. Yeah. Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma, yeah. which has nothing to do with anything. Southern Miss would lose to Oklahoma State. And Southern Miss will lose to Mississippi State. Yeah, probably. That'd be one to pick, though, if you were going to. If I were going to. Half, <laughs> if you were going to. 
I'm not going to. All right. Mississippi State all around. Last and certainly least, Nebraska at Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a four and a half point favorite. Can you name one player on Wisconsin's team? No. Me either. I'll take Wisconsin. <laughs> Tyler takes Wisconsin. He's picking Nebraska. I can I'm tell. taking Nebraska. I can tell by that go. look in his eye. Uh, okay, I'll do it with two. I'll do it too. Oh, man. You did that last week. I did? Yeah. I went with you and picked Nebraska and they lost. Producer yeah. Cameron, does that make you nervous that Cameron picked the team that you also picked? Like, he doesn't pick games very well. <laughs> so. Yeah, a little bit. Something to think about. <laughs> well, yeah, he. Valid he did. We're on the same page twice this week. So hmm. either I'm going down with him or. Yeah. He's going to make a run. Together. It's time to put you guys away. We'll do it together. <laughs> All right. Is that it? <laughs> what? Nothing. Okay. Yep, that's it. Speak now. Uh, let's see here. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters of the $10 level and above. Britt, Dries, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy, JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, Louis Hernandez, and producer Cam Fan. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. I'd like to say we love you very much. And you can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod. And you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week. Kyle's wearing Kansas colors. Kansas colors.